Anyone see a piece of paper that might have been sitting right here not that long ago? Yeah, oh, maybe it never did make it there. Thank you, Rob. For only $5, he'll let me have this piece of paper back. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we come together this morning and look at your word, I just pray that we would see some of your light today, that we would be able to look into your word and find some things that uh, about ourselves, Lord, maybe that uh, we can uh, look to you to tr- try to improve. And, and Lord, we just know that uh, if we lean on our own power, if we lean on our understanding, if we think that the light is in us as human, we're gravely mistaken and that we need to look to you this morning. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, Steve mentioned that uh, a lot of the kids aren't here, and I thought I would tell you where they are today. So some of you who've been here for a long time probably remember Allie and Evan. So this is Barbara Mann's uh, uh, grandchildren, if I'm getting that right. And they're not great-grandchildren, right, Barbara? I'm getting it. Okay, okay, all right. I don't want to make you even older than I need. Okay. So uh, they're grandchildren. Of course, they've been here for a long, long time, but they live... uh, in Winfield, so they haven't been able to been around much. So the youth decided to, since Allie and Evan can't come up here very often, they went to go see them this morning. So they went down there to visit them, and that's where they're all at. And with the magic of technology, they, they even sent us a picture. So I guess they all went and had breakfast together this morning. So that was kind of neat, I thought. So as we Look at our, think about the message this morning as we go into it. I like to read just a little story. I hope this story is something that maybe you've heard before, maybe not this exact story, maybe, maybe so, but maybe something like it. It says, five years ago, I was a hopeless drug addict walking into a detox for the third time. The police followed me to Parkwood Hospital because I was driving a rental car that I never returned. It was my dad's name, in my dad's name, so they allowed him to meet me there and take it back. God's mercy covered my mistakes that day. I was lost, broken, spiritually empty, and physically dependent on my many different drugs. I started using drugs my freshman year of college, but drinking was a problem way before that. I'm now 42. It's safe to say I struggled for 20 years. I dropped out of college, lost my good jobs, lost material things that I'd worked hard for. I lost the trust of my family of my friends, and I lost myself. I had no idea who I was when I was 37. My husband was willing to help me, but from a distance. He stopped enabling me. Everyone had stopped enabling me. And honestly, that is what saved my life. After detox, my husband wouldn't allow me to live with him unless I went to treatment. So I ended up at Haven House in Oxford, Massachusetts. After I left there, I had a spiritual awakening laying in the corner of my room at my husband's house where I still get to live today. I surrendered that day. I gave all my life to Christ. It was a peace I'd never experienced. The Lord has placed people in my life since that day who have helped me walk every step of the way. Finally, I was ready to trace my dreams instead of the drugs. I was about to turn my addiction into bettering myself instead of killing myself. Today, I'm five years clean. I'm happy to be alive and who God created me to be. I've rebuilt my life from the very bottom 
My purpose and passion is helping others. The Lord has blessed me with my position at Haven House going on four years. My husband and I have a pretty amazing relationship. I had three years clean when my dad passed away, so he got to see me healthy and happy. I mended the relationship with my family. Some are still a work in progress because I caused a lot of damage, but I will never give up trying. To all the people who are stuck in addiction, I want you to know that you can have this too. I share this for you, to give you hope and to know there's a better life on the other side. You have to reach out. You have to start over. You have to give yourself time to heal. That often means taking, on, taking time to do so. This is a huge battle, and you can't do it alone. She goes on to say a few more things, but as we go into the passage today and we think about that story, what I want to talk about this morning is our past does not have to determine our future. Our past does not have to determine our future. You know, sometimes in our life, we say, well, what should I do in this situation? And we get to a choice, and we, have, we have to choose, and we think, oh, well, I'm a this, and I always do that. You know, this is who I am. I've always been a mess up. So this is what I do. I, I always haven't had self-control. So this is what I do. I've always lied when I was getting myself in trouble. This is who I am. This is what I do. And some of us have years and years and years built up of saying, this is who I am. And sometimes it's even our family. And sometimes, you know, sometimes even our family tells us this is who we are. And we let our past control our future. And today, we, we're really not going to have too many verses we're going to go over this morning. As a matter of fact, if you look at the verses we're going to go over today, they're, it's really kind of in the same storyline as we did last week. As a matter of fact, it would have made pretty good sense to do all these together with what I did last week. And kind of the reason I broke them up is because I wanted to focus on this different thing. Last time, we talked a little bit about how Paul was a witness, but today I want to talk about how Paul's past did not dictate his future. It says in verse 30, uh, uh, Acts chapter 9, 26, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. So Paul, he's come back to Jerusalem. We talked about this. We talked about it last week, so I don't want to mention too much more about it, if you remember. But it seems like Paul, after he was saved, he went to Arabia. Is what We're pretty sure he was there for a while. Then he ends up coming back to Jerusalem. And of course, when he's back to Jerusalem, they don't trust him because of the last time he was in Jerusalem, he'd been trying to kill Christians. So now he comes back, and of course, the disciples were afraid of him. Now, we're not sure which disciples he met with here. We don't know. It may have just been one, Peter, who represented the disciples. It may have been more, but he comes before them, and they're having a hard time trusting him. See, he has a past. He has a past. And what do people expect him to do? Act according to that past. Now, if we have a past, people expect us to act according to that past. And guess what? We gave him a really good reason to do so. And there's nobody fault, nobody's fault but ours that we gave him that reason to do so. If someone's stolen from me 10 times out of 10 and they come to me the 11th time, what do you think I think is going to happen? 
I think we're going to go 11 for 11. Why would, I, why would I think anything else? See, Saul has a past here. It's clear. And the disciples are going, ho, 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 mister. Turn things around. We know about you. We know who you are. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciple apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who had spoke to him, and how at Damascus he preached and boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, Barnabas points out two things, two concrete things. Something happened to him, something real. And remember this event, this wasn't a mystical event that happened that no one else saw, right? This was something that that the people that were with Saul saw as well. I mean, he, he points to something very, this event happened in his life. And then what does he also point to? And look at the way Saul acted. So, my first point. We need to have people in our life that are willing to define us by who we are, are and not who we were. See, Barnabas was willing to see these concrete things that happened in his life, some real things, real things that happened. We'll talk more about that as we go. But he was willing to take that and say, you know what? Saul's not going to be the same guy he was before, and I'm willing to go with him on that. Now, if Saul just walked up out of the blue to Barnabas one day and said, hey, I'm different. Hey, I'm different. Would Barnabas have a reason to believe him? No. Barnabas would be probably a fool to believe him. But because Saul had shown the initial steps, Barnabas comes along the side. You know, when we have a difficult past we're trying to overcome, we need other people to help us. We need people to come alongside of us to be able to move forward in our life. We're not going to be able to do it alone. Well, I've never been you know, been to rehab or anything like that, those that I've talked to that have, and hopefully I'm getting this right, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely road to go alone, and when you're able to do it with other people, it makes it so much better. And so we see that Paul here isn't alone. We go on to verses 28 and 29. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. So Barnabas continues to tell what Paul did when he was preaching, how he preached to the point that he now was the one being persecuted by the Hellenists, the very ones he was probably helping working with to kill Christians. Now they were trying to kill him. These are the same Hellenists that killed Stephen. Now they've turned their eye to Saul. Point number two. Saul does not ask for status in the church. When he turns things around, he starts doing the hard work. You know, when you want to overcome your past, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. The longer that past is, and the longer you've been entrenching yourself in it, the harder it is to dig out. Oh, I hope my mom doesn't mind me telling this, but I remember talking to her one time, and she said, oh, I haven't drank alcohol in 20 years. There's days 
I just really, really want to drink. And I, I don't think my mom was anything you'd ever consider an alcoholic ever in her life. But when you do something for a long time, it's still there. There's a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort that goes into getting over it. Paul didn't have this conversion experience and then say, well, that's it. You guys got to accept me now. All's well. Keys to the kingdom. He went out and did the hard work. And I bet when Barnabas backed him up, I bet that felt great. Don't you think? He had gone out there. He had shown. He had preached. He had put his life on the line. And then Barnabas was able to come alongside him. And when the brothers had learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So they hear, okay, so he's, now this is like, as you can imagine, this is just a few verses. Likely this story is a lot longer, right? You're telling a story, you're kind of shortening it. So the situation where they bring Saul to them, they say, they, uh, Barnabas stands up for him, seems like they accept him in this case. They hear he's going to be persecuted and want to be killed. So they be, they're getting him out of town, right? And they, this is a pretty short version of the story. But they take him down to Caesarea. So this was like a, a large city. It might have been the, like the fifth largest city in the empire. And they decide to send him to Tarsus. So this is like a coastal city. So they're setting him on a ship to go on to Tarsus. So now why are they sending Paul or Saul to Tarsus? Well, he was from there. And so that was maybe a good reason. He maybe had somewhere to go. So that makes sense. But maybe another reason, and I don't know if this is true, I guess, but man, it sure makes a lot of sense. You know, Tarsus had a very, very famous event happen in the Old Testament that took place there. It, Tarsus is on the edge of a, of a place of a land called Jephthah. Jephthah is the place where Jonah had gone. When Jonah was called by God to do what God wanted him to do, to go to Jephthah, what did he do? Other way. When Saul is called by God to witness, where does he go? Right to it. Right to it. And this may be a, a bit of a stretch on the point, I know, but the wrongs that Jonah had done, Saul goes to right them. And sometimes when we have to say we're going to get over our past, there's oftentimes we have, to, we have to deal with our past and right the wrongs of our past. And sometimes we've done so many wrongs, we can't, we can't right them all, you know? We can't right them all. I mean, if you, if you killed someone's child or something tragic like that, you can't bring it back. I, I, we, we all understand that. You, can, you can't completely right the wrongs, but... You've got to deal with your past. You have to be able to not shove it away. But you have to do it. I, I think a lot of times when people are going through counseling and rehab and things like that, and once again, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, so um, hopefully I'm, I'm representing this right. A lot of times they'll say you go to the people that you've harmed and you apologize to them. You do the best that you can to be able to move past it. Now, if you want to move on, if you want to say, I'm not going to let the past control my future, I don't think pretending it didn't happen is the way to do it. Deal with it. You have to recognize it. You right the wrongs, and you say, and now I'm going to be a different person. 
Verse 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and multiplied. So the church grows. This is probably the, I think the first time the word ecclesia is used to talk about the church. You know, ecclesia, usually it was a kind of a local term. It's like, hey, we're going to have a group. We're going to meet together. We're going to have like a meeting. So we're going we're gonna to get, oh, this is like a local group. It's an ecclesia. This is the first time this term gets to be used for not just one single group. So like, you know, here we're an ecclesia or a church. But we also might say the church as in the church as in like all the churches, right? Big church. And this is the first time this word is used for all the churches. This church had now spread out to three regions. It just started in Jerusalem with just a few people. And now there are three different regions that it's representing, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and now the church has grown. And so sometimes you see like coffee shops named Ecclesia. There's an Ecclesia coffee shop. Our Bible study group that Alex and I and Ted and Matt and some of those guys were in, we called that group the Ecclesia group, and that's why, because this term that used was a local gathering place, which became the word that became the word for the whole church. A lot of times, Christians, we want to represent that and say we're a gathering where we come together. We go on, and we have a few things here that I would like to point out and review. It says, moving on from the past, number one, we need people in our life that are willing to not define us by our past. You know, sometimes people that really love us and really care about us won't let us move on. They won't let it go. They, they, they will not let us be different people. We have to make sure that we're able to separate ourselves from them. I, I, know, uh, I know someone, and I know them fairly well, and they went to rehab, and they're moving on, and they were talking about, and then a- after she got done, they moved her to Arizona. She's from Kansas, and they said, you, know, you got to make new friends. You got to have a different people to hang out with, you know? Did the people she was running with before hate her? I, I, don't, I don't think they hated her. As a matter of fact, I bet you in their way, they cared about her. I bet you they, they were thinking, and even though they were doing the stuff that they shouldn't have done together, they would have said, we care about her. As a matter of fact, if you ask her if her friends here in Kansas cared about her, I bet you she'd say, I think they care about me. But you know what? You can't have just people that say they care or try to do things that care about you in their way. At some point, you have to have people that will let you be a different person, that move on. You have to become a different person, even though they care about you. And they say, now, nah, let's go do this together. Let's go do, you know, we always done this together. got to be able to have people in your life that will not define us by our past. We have to be able to move on from that. Number two was we shouldn't seek status but be willing to do the hard work. If someone comes and tells me that I've changed, they've changed, I don't believe it. I don't believe it until I see it. When we get ourselves in bad situation, we do bad things, you know what the easiest way to get, try to get out of it is? Lie your way out of it. Just start lying about it. 
And usually a lot of times we get ourselves in situations we can't move past. We start lying about it. And we lie about it and we lie about it. And then guess what? When the time comes that we really have made a difference, everyone's going to think you're just lying about it. So don't tell me. Don't tell me you've changed. We've got to show the change. We've got to see the change. And, you know, when we are trying to say change, we can't say, I can't run around telling everyone I've changed. I need to run around showing everyone I've changed. Showing everyone that I'm a different person. My word probably doesn't mean too much. Three, we should right the wrongs, the past. We need to be able to deal with those that we've hurt, apologize and whatnot. And four, we're going to feel both afraid and comforted at the same time. You know, when Paul went to Tarsus, how do you think he felt? He's scared. He's scared. You get on boat, some boat with nobody you know, no one you've ever met, going across the sea. And you know, you'd say, well, he's going to go home. Isn't that more comforting? Sometimes. Sometimes going home is about the worst thing. Some people that you talk to and you're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from wherever. Oh, how do you go back? Yeah, never, never, never go back, never go back. You know, he was going to go back to home, and he was going to go back a different person. Probably a person that some of those people at home weren't going to like. But he was scared, I'm sure. When we think about moving on from our past, we need to not... We need to realize it's going to be scary. We need to not pretend it's not going to be. When, other people, when we see other people trying to move on from their past, we can't be like, this is obviously the right thing. You doofus, how come you can be, why are you scared? This is so clearly the right thing to do. Anybody from the outside looking in can realize you're ruining your life. Why don't you just change? I always said I'd be the worst alcohol counselor in the whole world because I'd be like, oh, have a drinking problem? I suggest you stop drinking, right? <laughs> don't ever, don't ever hire me for this. You can tell I'm going to be a total, totally worthless, right? Totally, worth, totally worthless. If it were that easy, they'd have done it a long time ago. It's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. Moving on from our past, it's easy to stay where you are. It's so easy. So easy. You know, and Paul was, you know, Saul was converted, and he had this choice to follow Christ. I bet you there was a pull to just keep it the way it was. It's just easy. You know it, you know. It's the devil you know. It's the devil you know. And I just encourage you, if there's something in your life that you're like, you know, I've, I've just said this is how I always am. I, I hear sometimes people say, things, this, these are small. They still say something, it's, a, it's, a, it's like rude. Just rude. It's not, it's not I'm, you know, this isn't a drug problem, it's just rude. It's not kind. Here's what they say. It's just who I am. Yeah, I bet you 
you've justified to yourself for a long time that every once in a while, when something annoys you, you can be a jerk about it, and you somehow think that's okay because that's just who you are. Guess what? You don't have to be that person anymore. Just because that's who you've always been doesn't mean you can't be somebody different. Maybe there's something in your life that you say, you know what, I've just, I've just always said this is who I was. I've always just let it go. Maybe today's the day that you say, you know what, I'm not going to let my past control me anymore. I'm not going to let my past control my future anymore. Today's the day I'm going to start taking the steps to make a change. I hope that's you this morning. If you feel the Holy Spirit working in your heart and say, man, I, maybe it's not big, but I've been doing it forever. I don't have to. I don't have to do it. I don't have to let my past control who I am in the future. If that's you, I just pray you come forward this morning. If you want to come, you want to kneel at the, here and just take a few minutes to pray. You can talk to me if you want, but you certainly don't have to. I encourage you to come forward as we sing a closing song. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. We just pray that if there's anyone here that's really struggling, that's really trying to decide, hey, there's this, this thing in my life, and it's, it's just got me. It's got me, and I've just, I've just always pushed it off because that's how it's always been. I've just, I've just always done it because that's who I've convinced myself who I am. But we in Christ, our new creation. I just pray we would hold on to that truth, that we would grab it, that we wouldn't push it aside for the old comfortable thing, but that we would realize we are children of God. We are not children of this world. But if there's anyone here this morning struggling with this, I just pray they would come. I just pray they would come and deal with it today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.